Merry Christmas, everybody. It's a real honor to be together on this special day. I want to welcome all of you here with me in the Ward Church Sanctuary in Northville. I want to welcome those of you who join us online from places near and far. And today, I want to welcome people gathering in Farmington Hills at our Farmington Hills campus right now for the very first Christmas Eve celebration as a campus, as a group. That Farmington Hills campus just three months old. Let's hear it for Farmington Hills, everybody. Welcome to you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's a real privilege we have to be together on a night like this, and thank you for coming out in such very cold weather. Um, You notice weather forecasters seem almost happy when a storm is coming our way, Uh, like they're announcing good news of great joy for all people. And, and And they tell us not just the temperature, but they want us to know the wind chill factor, a number without we would not know how much to complain. So it's very helpful indeed. And even cold weather cannot stop the coming of Christmas. And we get to celebrate that uh, tonight. We've been reading in our home and in our church the story of Christmas again from the pages of the Bible, from Luke's gospel in particular, Luke chapter 1 and 2. And in our church, we've been paying special attention to the angels of Christmas. And I want to read to you just part of the Christmas story Uh, perhaps the most famous scene in the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. So as I read this to you this afternoon, just pay special attention to the angels and to the things the angels said and did. Uh, Listen to this now from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you read the full Christmas story from the Bible, you will notice how often angels pop up in the story. Now, angels pop up throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, nearly 300 references to angels in Old and New Testaments. But in the Christmas story, they seem to pop up on every page. The angels kind of photobomb every scene in the Christmas story. Boom, they're there with Zechariah. Boom, they pop in with Mary. Boom, they're there with Joseph. And here they are again with the shepherds. Now, you may never have paid much attention to the angels of Christmas, And that's okay. Angels are not the most important characters in the Christmas story. Angels are messengers. That's what the word angel means. It means messenger. It's the message of the angels that matter. And the message of the angels in the Christmas story kind of move the story along. The angels kind of serve as divine narrators of the Christmas story. And the first two words of an angel to any human is usually fear not. Why do angels always say fear not? Because people are very afraid. Why are they very afraid? Uh, They're probably afraid because when an angel chooses to appear in physical form, they are impressive in stature and radiant in light. But there's another reason people ought to be afraid when they see an angel, though I doubt this occurred to anyone in the moment. Whenever an angel appears, you can be certain that the angel is going to ask you to do something you don't really want to do or ask you to go somewhere you don't really want to go or is going to give you a message that you could not possibly comprehend. Zechariah, an angel, says to Zechariah, your wife will bear you a son even though you're both senior citizens, even though you're past your prime. And your son will prepare the way for the Messiah, and it will cost your son everything. An angel said, Mary, you will give birth to a baby, even though you're just a teenager, even though you're not married, even though you had other plans for your life. An angel says, Joseph, you will take Mary home to be your wife, even though you know you are not the father of her child, even though this will trash your reputation even though your own life will be in danger. Shepherds, you will be among the first in humanity to see the Christ child, uh, even though you feel so unworthy. Even though nobody will believe you, fear not. Good news doesn't always sound like good news the first time you hear it. The angels uh, give these messages repeatedly, And to each person to whom the angels spoke, they were initially afraid, but over time they come to realize that God had invited them into the adventure of a lifetime. They each played a role in God's plan to redeem the world. And they and this world would never be the same. Now God speaks to people in a variety of ways. God still does this today. God speaks to us through other people, a friend perhaps, God speaks to us through his word, the scriptures. God speaks to us through an inner leading, a still small voice. And sometimes God speaks through angels. And maybe God will speak to you this week. Maybe God will speak to you 
today. There are countless number of angels as we've studied about angels. And in the whole of the Bible, there are only two angels that are mentioned by name. There's Michael, the great archangel. And there's Gabriel, who pops up a couple of times in the Christmas story. And I hate to disappoint fans of the classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. But there is no angel named Clarence mentioned in the Bible. There is also no Harold. I have a friend who grew up believing that there was an angel named Harold. And you know where he got that idea? Hark! The Herald Angel Sings, the angel named Harold. I read about another child who grew up singing, Hark, the Harelip Angel Sings. That's a different picture altogether. Hark, the Herald Angels Sing. We sang it tonight. It's an interesting Christmas carol for a number of reasons. Uh, not only is it considered one of the most popular Christmas carols of all time, hymnologists consider it to be one of the greatest Christian hymns of all time. It's fun to sing, it's rich in theology, and it's got a fascinating history. It was written by Charles Wesley in 1737. Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. The Wesley brothers were great revivalists in England. And the song originally began, Hark how all the welkin rings. The welkin, W-E-L-K-I-N, the welkin rings. Welkin's a word we don't use in English today, but it means the heavenly vault, the vault of heaven, the heavenly host. And Charles Wesley had an old college friend, another famous preacher named George Whitfield, and Whitfield published Charles' song, and without his permission, uh, changed the words to, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And Charles was very upset by this because technically in the Bible, it doesn't actually say that the angels sang. It says the angels said. And it doesn't say the angels sang. It says a whole heavenly host appeared and said. He was a stickler for details, but it was too late. It was published and printed in a hymnal, Sorry, Charlie. The tune that we know was provided by the composer uh, Felix Mendelssohn. And Mendelssohn originally wrote this tune as a secular song. And Mendelssohn knew that he had a really catchy melody, but he thought his secular tune was inappropriate for sacred words. But even composers can be wrong, and the secular and the sacred come together in this song just like they do in the manger. Jesus was fully God and fully human. The song has this great line about Jesus. Mild he laid his glory by. Jesus lays his glory aside so that he can become one of us. So let's look again at the announcement of the angel and then the song of the angel. The announcement and the song. If you've, uh, if you've been to church, you know in church there are announcements and there are songs. And here's the big announcement of the angels. Uh, recorded in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The angel announced this, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This one sentence includes three titles for the newborn king. Savior, Messiah, Lord. Each of these titles communicates something a little different about this one who was born, and together they tell us a great deal about the newborn king. This baby born in the town of David is a savior. 
In fact, that's what the name Jesus means. It means Savior. Now, the American spirit, I think, used to bristle at the idea of us needing to be saved. Right? We are independent. We are self-sufficient. We don't need anyone or anything. But I don't know that people think that way anymore. Most people I know have been humbled in recent years and walk with a greater awareness of their need and of their inadequacies. I don't know many people that think they hold all the answers within themselves anymore. And we're more open to the idea that we need an outside rescuer. We need a savior. It's been well said that if our greatest need was information, God would have sent a teacher. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was salvation, and so God sent a Savior. Not only a Savior, it says he is the Messiah. Messiah was the somewhat mysterious figure of the Old Testament prophets. The prophets of old said that one day God would send an anointed one who would set things right. And this long-awaited, long-expected anointed one would be the final anointed prophet, priest, and king. In Hebrew, the word is Messiah. In Greek, the word is Christ. And so Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Christ is a title. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah. He is the Savior, the Messiah, And then, lastly, the angels said that this child was the Lord. The angels told the shepherds, very nearby you is the one who is the sovereign king, the Lord over the whole universe. That was the big news given that night by the angels. This one born as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And after the announcement comes the singing. One angel gave the announcement, gave the good news. But then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appears uh, with that angel, praising God and saying, and uh, we won't ask you to sing this song. I think they sang it. But let's, let's uh, read this line together from Luke 2, 14. Uh, everyone together, wherever you are, please. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's the song. And we don't know if it was just a few singers in the heavenly host that sang that, or whether it was hundreds, thousands of angels, if one angel terrified the shepherds, what would a whole choir of angels do? How it must have lit up that night sky. And they say, glory to God, where? In the highest heavens, they want to be clear, that word heaven could mean sky, it could mean outer space, but they wanted people to know this is the highest heaven. This celebration is happening in the heavenly realms. This good news of a Savior being born into a dark world, all of heaven stands to its feet. All of heaven applauds and celebrates this good news. Earth is not celebrating yet. They're only dimly aware of what's going on. This celebration, this praise happens in the highest heavens, in the heavenly realms. But the angels do announce that there will be peace on earth on those whom his favor rests. The old King James Version uh, says that the angel proclaims peace on earth, goodwill to men. But I don't think that's an accurate uh, translation. I think the newer translations do a better job to translate the line as peace on 
to those on whom God's favor rests or peace to those with whom God is well pleased. Jesus did not come to bring universal peace on earth, at least not yet. Simeon said this child being born would cause the rise and fall of many in Israel. The Bible is very clear that not everyone who hears the good news of the angels will receive it. Jesus did not come yet, has not brought universal peace. I watched the news last night. There's no peace today in the Ukraine. There's no peace today in Afghanistan. There's no peace today in Wayne County. That will come someday. Someday God will bring peace over the entire earth and the stanza of joy to the world will be true that God rules the world with grace and truth and makes the nations prove the glories of his love. But that stanza will not be fulfilled in this era. But there is a kind of peace that comes to those on whom God is well pleased, those upon whom his favor rests. And many of you here today know this peace. You know this indescribable peace that passes all human understanding. And some of you are thinking, I'd like to be the kind of person upon whom the favor of God rests. And you can be if you follow the example of the shepherds and believe on him who was sent. There's a peace that is available to you right now. Jesus is a rock on which to stand. He is a shelter in the storm. He is the prince of peace. This peace is not something we deserve. It's not something we earn. It is and always has been a gift. Vegetables in a garden uh, can't cause the rain to come. They don't deserve the rain to come. They simply enjoy the rain as it falls upon them. We can't create it. We can't deserve it. We simply receive the favor of God as a gift to those who are willing, a gift to those who are open, those who trust. It was a holy night when God entered our world at Christmas, and it is a holy night each time God enters somebody's life or somebody's family. And my hope and prayer for you this Christmas Eve is that every one of us would open our lives up wider to receive God being born to us again. And we'll be able to sing with the angels glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. Would you stand with me this Christmas day? This Christmas Eve? And uh, pray with me about this holy night. God, we thank you for the news proclaimed by angels long ago. Unto us is born this day a Savior. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Help us to receive him once more. May we be the kind of people upon whom your favor rests. And this we pray in the name of our Savior Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen.